Hey everybody, this is Flavio Romeo, and on this episode of the Towncast, we had a chance to go down to Moe's Guitars. We had him on the podcast about two years ago, uh, but this year we, 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 we have the video version, so you can see a lot of what he does. It's an amazing store for anyone that's interested in, in music, and especially any musicians that play the guitar or any kind of stringed instrument. Also, stay tuned to the end, because I happen to grab a video of Mo playing the guitar and he just rocks. All right, enjoy the episode, everybody. Listen, if you guys have not already heard the most guitar podcast that we had, I guess it was the beginning of the pandemic, right? Before the pandemic, we opened, and this is our second Christmas, and summer will be our third year. So, I mean, you couldn't pick worse timing. I mean, when we first <laughs> yes. started talking, it's like, we're going to open this great store, and then the pandemic hits. But I'm here with Peter Thomas. You guys can know him as Mo, right? Mo. And how long have you had that nickname? Probably 24 years. Really? Yeah. Where did that start? That actually started in the corporate world. I spent 30 years uh, in the financial and selling sector. Really? And I would walk into an office in the morning and say, hey, good morning, Flavio. How are you? And I would get a grunt. And I'd walk by (laughs) another desk and I'd say, hey, Mary, good morning. How are you? I'd get a grunt. So finally, I just started walking and going, hey, Mo, what's up? Really? And, and then you got a reaction. Would, people would chuckle. So then when I would be in my office and I would need somebody to volunteer for a project, and let's say there were 38 employees, I would say, Mo, come to my office. And I would have 38 people in front of me. <laughs> so we all just started calling each Tell other Mo. Mo. That's hysterical. And it stuck. It stuck. That's great. My wife even calls me Mo. <laughs> Everybody calls him yes. Mo. Yes. So we're, we're on Lafayette Ave. And Van, this is Van Winkle, right? Correct. And Van Winkle, we're right on the corner. It's Moe's Guitars, and I have to and tell you... And stringed instrument repairs. And stringed. All right, so you do you do other things. Oh, yeah, we repair anything. If it has strings and it's made of wood, we repair it. Really? And, and I got to tell you, we're going to show you, I'm going to show you some of the gorgeous guitars that they have lined up here. I, I mean, out of all of these guitars that you have here, do you have one favorite? Uh, it's always changing. So right now, my current favorite is right next to that center guitar on the top row is a Fender Custom Shop Telecaster. That wood selection is plain, where most custom instruments, you get the flame maple, the bird's eye maple, burl, all these, you know, uh, Brazilian rosewood, all these exotic, gorgeous woods. This one's actually what we would call just a plain Jane, but it has the best tone of any Telecaster I've ever had in 24 years. Really? Now, this is the one thing that I learned when we first met with Mo, is that he is passionate about tone, which I didn't even get, you know, when he was saying it, but... 
you know, as he was as he was talking about it, and talk a little bit about like what is what is when you say you know the perfect tone. How do you how would you explain? That? So it's subjective to each individual based on their ears, but the tone which is perfect to a person generically is the one that moves them emotionally, that can bring you to tears, can put okay. a smile on your face. Um, it's like a violinist. Did you ever hear a, oh, yeah. a violin solo? And that makes you cry. Literally. Yeah. Tone. Wow. Okay. And you, and you... The tone actually is translated as the musician's soul coming okay. through the instrument. Okay, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, because I have a friend, I have a friend, Vinny Valentino, and then he's a jazz musician, jazz guitarist. And there are times when I hear him play and I hear some of the music that he plays that it's just, it's like sounds that you've never heard. You know, it's amazing the kind of sounds you can get from an electric guitar. Here's a, here's a, a funny thing, and one of the things that sets us apart from probably the majority of retailers or repair shops Anything that comes through here to be sold, I play. And if I don't like it, I don't take it. I probably reject more trade-ins really? than I accept. I'm not interested in the poorly constructed, intermediate, or low-budget Amazon instruments. Right. And it doesn't mean when the young kid walks in, I don't fix them and work on them but I don't stop them. Yeah. This business actually, although it's profitable, and as a business you need profit, isn't about profit. This business is about paying the gift forward with love. And every day when we come here, we open that door with the intention of making someone's day better than it was. Right. Right, I see that's, and that's so rare. I mean, you don't, you're not gonna get that from the big box stores. You know, you can go online, like you said, you can go on Amazon, you can go on walmart.com, you can go on all these dot-coms and, you know, select a guitar or buy whatever it is you're buying, but you don't have that personal connection and you don't have that desire and that look. Like you said, I tell me a story, you have that seven-year-old that comes in and, you know, he's crushed because his guitar broke. <laughs> yes, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, to, to be able to sit him down and reassure him that it's going to be okay. We're going to get it back up and And you did. Yeah. And you got yeah. it up and, and And what did he say? He actually said to me, Mr. Moe, let me give you $75. And I said, nah, Joe, it's free. He's like, no, I give you $75. Mom, give him $75. <laughs> so so his seven-year-old is saying he's going to pay you $75 yeah. as long as mom can write the check. Yes. I go, nah, it's free. It's free. So there's, there's a, yes, there's a lot of things that, you know, I consider myself to be a capitalist with a socialist heart, which makes me a philanthropist. And let's face it, this economy is difficult for everybody. Yeah. There was no Christmas season. We actually lost 50% revenue during October, November, really? December. Of this past year? Yeah. Um, but we're still good. I, mean, I have no overhead. And we discussed this on the first podcast, everything in here, my wife and I own. It's not bank owned. Right. 
Right. So you didn't take out a loan to buy all these. Low, guitars. You, guys, you own all these guitars. Part of my collection. That is so cool. So low overhead, great customer service, and just pay it forward with love. Put a smile on someone's face and they refer people and they come back. And my biggest problem right now is where literally we just completed our third expansion. I'm ready for the fourth. Really? But I'm holding off because the times economically are yeah. unstable. But my biggest problem is as a small business in Hawthorne, I'm busting at the seams. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know what? And like you said, you're paying it forward. Yes. And you're rewarded for that. Correct. Because it's not like, well, I'm going to do this thinking that they may come back and give me the... No, Correct. you're just doing it because you're, it's a pure heart. Yes, and the funny thing about that too, like the that whole Pompton Lakes, Riverdale, Wayne, uh, Pequonic, we've had that market right. from before I opened the store. Fairlawn. Uh, How did you have that? Were you doing stuff at, at Well, home? I was doing some repairs by appointment out okay. of my home. But now... Over the past two and a half years, what I'm seeing more of, and I also had Hudson Valley, Manhattan, and Brooklyn, but now what I'm getting is Creskill, Demarest, Teaneck, Tenafly. And you think that's word of Rivervale? Oh yeah, because they come in and say, "I saw you online. I called a friend of mine. He says he's been to Moe's three times. Raves about your work. It's worth sitting in traffic on Route Four to get here." Yeah, and I, and I got to tell you, this is this is. I've met, you know, I've met very few people that have a passion for what they do, like Mo. I mean, you really do, you really have a passion for this. Oh, it's not like, it's not I've like, been, I gotta make money. It's I've like, been eating, sleeping, and breathing guitars since the age of six. I was gonna ask, so tell me your, your history. Like, okay. how did you get started in guitar? Big Italian family. Okay. So, so everybody's a singer. Exactly. So on <laughs> my mother's side, my dad was Polish, my mom Italian, which makes me, I think, a Polop. How's that for some <laughs> unpolitically correct humor? Anyway, on my mom's side, eight brothers and sisters, everybody wow. played something. Violin, piano, keyboard, really? cello, drums, guitar, spoons, everything, even a sax player. So what was so like so on family the weekend, reunions? Yes, well, we all lived relatively close. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Staten Island. Okay. So we had an aunt that lived across the street. Uh, we had I didn't know there were Italians on Staten Island. I, well, yeah, it's uh, when I grew up on Staten Island it was pretty like little Sicily. It was yes, it was all Italian and Jewish. Um, so you got together on the weekends. So we would get together. My grandfather would make homemade wine. Okay. And then usually Saturday night, everybody would gravitate to my mom's house, which was the smallest house in the family. But I think my mom, out of all the brothers and sisters, probably had the best heart. Okay. Was always baking homemade bread, homemade pizza, homemade pasta. So homemade wine from my grandfather so the food was there the wine was there and they would play uh rummy uh, 500 <laughs> rummy was yeah, it yeah yeah all night 
and my uncles would play music. That's but the, awesome. the girls also played. My aunts all played keyboards or something too. So back then, everybody smoked. The house would be filled no, with yeah, smoke, yeah, yeah. It right? Like a fog machine. Right, the windows would be open to get the heat from the oven out of the house with a fan in the window. Everybody would be in the, the living room jamming up a storm or playing cards in the kitchen so and dining up, you room. You grew up with all that. So it was, it was just expected at the age of six, they would give you an instrument. Right. Play it. And you would learn to play. Wow. So did you learn from, from your relatives? Yes. I, I initially got my introduction from my uncle who was a theater organist, actually oh, still wow. is, he's still alive, was a great theater organist. Um, so he taught Now, me when you're basics. saying theater organist, you're saying... Radio City, in and out of the actual wall. Right. You That's know, awesome. skating rinks wow. as a kid, he would play yeah, yeah, skating yeah. rinks when that yeah, big sure. theater organ. Uh, so he taught me the basics. Then my dad, before he passed away, he used to take my brother and I to a guitar studio in Newdorf on Staten Island, okay. Richard's Music Studio. And he was real stern. He was one of these guys who would walk in a circle with his hands behind the back with like a, a yardstick. <laughs> yeah. And if you missed the note, you'd get a whack. Yeah, yeah, the good yeah. old days when you could hit kids. Um, <laughs> and... He was he was monumental in influencing me. I realized early on if I wanted to do this, I couldn't just wing it. There was a certain amount of guidance and discipline, yeah. like being in school, because I had my experience with Catholic school teachers and the yardstick also. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I drew the correlation. Yeah, yeah. But I knew it was good long term. Uh, and that's where it started. Then later on in life, turned out my neighbor was Chuck Wayne, who was George Shearing's guitarist, oh, Woody wow. Herman's guitarist, uh, Johnny Carson's show first string guitarist. Wow. And that was your neighbor? Yeah, I actually studied jazz guitar with him. Really? And he wrote my recommendation to Berkeley College of Music. What? So that's where you ended up going to school? No, I didn't attend. Okay. I didn't attend, but I could have. Yeah, wow. So how so you've been playing since then, and and how over the years did you start accumulating like these guitars? Is a certain attraction to them? The yeah, look, the well, sound. As a as a kid, and before we started doing this, because I, I feel like you have a bachelor's of guitar. Yes, like a yes. master's of guitars. So I've always been a tinkerer, yeah. and as a little kid, I'm talking as early as three and a half, four years old. I would watch my dad, you know, homes that had, like today, a lot of them still do. If you're handy, you have a workshop. Right. So my dad was always in the workshop, and, you know, he would have the real hammer, I'd have the little hammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he'd hammer a nail, I'd bang a piece of wood. So I was always tinkering yeah. and handy through working with my dad. Then, when I started going to school, I just started picking up stuff randomly on the way home, as strange as this sounds. I'd be walking home from school and I'd see a TV. Back then they were tubes. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I'd take the TV home with me. They were easy to repair that. And I'd take the tubes and I'd oh, save really? them. I still have some. I mean, these really? tubes are worth four, five, six hundred dollars today each. Wow. Trend. 
tube radios, take them home. But then I started finding guitars and amplifiers in the garbage too. That, and to this day, people in this town come in here and go, do you buy guitars? And I say, yes, we try to sell them, but I buy them too. And they go, would you want to buy this? And I'd say, nah, not something I have the clientele for. Right. And they just give it to me. Oh, really? And usually they're in really, really bad shape. So what we do is we then take our time, our talents, and our money, and we repair them. I give them away to kids in town as they come in. Wow. So again, it's that pay for, pay for. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's in, it's in, I, I have the parts, probably parts that will never get used on high-end instruments. Right. And I have the time, and quite honestly, I love what I do. I, I was going to say, I don't a work a day in my life. So I'll come in on a Sunday, or my wife will, and she'll rebuild the whole instrument and go, here it is, give it to someone. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And, it, and, and you know, I'm, I know that you've expanded. You've got, you've got a workshop in the back. So we are going to take a look at that, right? You're going to give us a Oh, yeah. All right, so we're going to take a look at that. Um, but you don't only, do you also repair, because I see some amps here, do you also do amp repair? No, we don't. I do my own amp repair, and honestly, if there's anybody out there that's a retired electrical engineer that can read a schematic, I would love to talk to you. The reason we haven't gotten into amplify repair right now is there's still a lack of quality control on electrical components from the pandemic. 50% uh, okay. of all electrical components that I order that come through that door are defective out of the box. Really? And it's all because just shoddy work. Yep. Because of the pandemic. A lot of people haven't went back to work. Yeah. You know, there's uh, some states in New Jersey is one of them that you know, pays people more than what they were probably making on the job. So until their uh, compensation runs out, it's difficult to get them back in the workforce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's it's. I mean, that's been, that's been a problem with a lot of different categories. It's just you know because then then all of a sudden you have such a high demand that people are manufacturing so quickly. That they're taking the quality out of it just yes. to get the product Well, out. a lot of it, too, is a lot of these businesses, though they're small, the bigger ones are potentially undercapitalized due to the default rate of defective material. So by shipping bad merchandise, they're only grabbing cash. Right. You know, to keep them running, knowing they got to deal with this problem a week or two down the road, but... By that point, they have someone else. They moved on somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 a tough world to do business in still presently. So, so they do repairs. They sell guitars. I mean, there's got to be since you own all these. Have you sold guitars where you're like, oh, it's one of my favorites. Have you like? It's like taking a piece of your taking a limb. Right? I have a bunch of them up here. Oh, <laughs> a bunch of body parts missing. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be. I mean, you know, there's such a... You know what? I There's two instruments I just got from a dealer who's in a tough spot financially because he has a massive floor plan. Hmm. Uh, and what the way I get these instruments 
that are low production and high-end collectible Gibson, Fender, Martin, uh, custom-made boutique guitars. Uh, when I need inventory, I send out an email. And I have a book of dealers that go to the other side of the Baltic Sea, 200 deep. Wow. And basically, the email says, who needs cash? Mo has cash. You have guitars. Let's do some business. And those guys that need cash flow all respond. Yeah, sure. And, and did you get some gems out of those? I got two right in front of this display case that are both G&L custom-ordered guitars. Both of them were $2,500 when they were ordered in 2000. Wow, $2,500. Today, if you were to order that guitar, it would probably be close to $4,500, $5,000. But those are instruments that one of them I'm selling for $1,600. The guitar is worth much more. But the dealer needed cash. I bought it below market value. So again, I'm paying the savings forward. Right. You're the not guy, saying I bought it for this much, but I'm going to make 4500 Yes, the guy who walks in and buys that instrument is going to go, and I see it all the time, they go, why is this so cheap? It's a thousand What's wrong with market it? value. Really? There's nothing wrong with it. And they'll go, but why? I'll go, well, when you're a little store in the middle of Hawthorne and you're competing against the world, you have to do something unique. So I source the best that can be gotten i'll put my guitars against any world renowned dealer and i'm less yeah yeah see and it's and we give free service for the lifetime of ownership oh so, so talk about that whether you buy a guitar from me for 99 dollars or nine thousand dollars I give you two free setups a year for the lifetime of ownership. And our setups really? are extensive. I mean, we actually start at the top of the guitar, go right to, to the bottom. So I'll have people call and say, how much is a setup? And I'll say 98.50. And they'll say, gee, the other guy's 65. I said, I know, but you're not asking the right question. You need to ask, what do I do for $98 right. versus what he does for 65 Yeah. So the customer often will say, well, he's going to adjust my neck, set my action. I'll say, that's good. We're going to do that too. But we're also going to tighten your tuners. We're going to check the break angle of your nut, which is where tuning instability stems from. We're going to clean the grooves of your nut. We're going to oil your fretboard, polish your fret wire, restring your guitar, adjust your neck, set your action, radius your bridge, calibrate your electronics, clean your electronics, tighten your strap buttons, then my wife's going to clean your guitar. Wow. And they go, I didn't know there was that much that could be done to an instrument. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they look at it, it's like it's strings. It's a couple little tuners up top and things on the bottom. It's, it's all geometry. I mean, actually, we work in millimeters, and my luthier map works in 64ths of an inch. Wow. Really? He actually runs around the shop measuring rulers. 
Because <laughs> they're not always accurate. They no two rules are identical. Yeah. And it all depends on where it starts, right? Digital calipers throw them out the window. Really? Same. Yeah, if you're not spending seven, eight hundred dollars for a pair of digital calipers, they're junk. All right, so I think you guys get the same impression I have that I've had for the last several years that that Mo has a passion for not only a passion for for guitars, a passion for repair and a passion for his work, but also a passion for the people that walk through the door. Yes, music and, and people. Music brings people together. Yeah. Well, you and know, you got that at an early age. The fact of the matter is we're supposed to love each other and help each other, not hate each other. Right. And I do a lot with posting on social media. And really, I scroll through it, and I can't believe the language mm -hmm. and hatred mm -hmm. that adults, yeah, that are parents who are teaching their children to be better citizens, are doing the same thing that they're teaching their children not to do. Right. And I go, this is insane. Yeah, yeah, it's just crazy. So when you're walking through that door, you're getting, you're getting some, you're getting peace, you're getting love, and you're getting some amazing product and amazing repair work. So anything, you guys repair anything with strings? Anything with strings. Violin, cello. We've done mandolin. sitars, acoustic guitars, electric guitars, dobros, uh, I mean mandolins. We just restored a set of turn of the century banjos. Really? Um, yeah. Turn of the century? Yep. Not 20, I have not a 2000. Of, no. 1900. Yeah, 1905, 1910. Really? I have a mandolin up there from 1910. It's a Gibson. So, and this town, Hawthorne, treasures. All right, as usual, uh, the GoPro battery ran out. So, so I had to have a quick break to, uh, to change the battery. Uh, but we, we were talking about all the different instruments that you work with. Now, have you had... Tell me some of the clients. Like you've had some some pretty famous people walk through through the door, yeah. or at least contact you on the phone, on your website. Yes. Well, uh, let's let's just recap that last question about the instruments we work on, and we'll kind of go into the more famous players. This town has a treasure of vintage collectible instruments. I have so many clients. 70, 80 years old. Really? That still own their original Gibsons and Fenders from the 50s. That they, really? That they bought when they were kids mowing lawns. These guitars, some of them go up into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. What is there, like, what is the most expensive? Is oh, there one? or is Yeah, it... well, so probably the most visible, highly recognized instrument for rarity and collectability is the Gibson 59 Les Paul Standard. 59 is the year that the general consensus is all the pieces came together to reach a state of perfection. So it was all, all the perfect pieces came together to make the perfect guitar. But now there were only, I think, like 636 of them that were made. And out of that 600 and change, uh, about 50% have been accounted for. Really? So they're still and out there? There's a large portion of them that have probably been thrown out or destroyed. Right. But segueing into your question or about the more famous people, 
We have two clients that worked with Aldi Miola, one in the form of a producer, one in the form as an engineer. Um, and and Aldi Miola, probably one of the one of the best guitarists. My in hero, the world. my hero, yeah. super nice guy, amazing guitar player, uh, and to work with him up close and personal, I mean, is just a dream come true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the uh, jobs I agreed to work with Al on was to authenticate his '59 Gibson Les Paul. He had one. He has he one. Of that, exactly yes, what you just that said. that he's been using all the way since from 1977. He still plays it. Yes, but through the years, it was, it's been refinished, parts have been changed. Uh, there was some speculation as to whether the guitar was original, a counterfeit, or a replica. And quite honestly, some... People with big reputations and equally big mouths put a lot of bad press out on social media about this instrument. Really? So when we met Al, he had asked me, could I authenticate it? And I said, yeah, I'm pretty sure that me and Matt, my luthier, can. So here's the funny thing. We're at his studio in Old Japan. He gives me the guitar. All Al knows about me at this point is a phone number and a guy named Mo. And he gives me <laughs> he gives you a $350,000 guitar to walk out of the studio with, which I had for six months. Wow. $350,000 so, guitar. So on that wall, there's a notarized letter, which I just sent to Al. Uh, after I did the authentic... Vacation, he yeah, took absolutely. the guitar to Gibson, where Caesar, the acting president, had his team of experts examine my work. And they confirmed my authentication that Al's guitar is indeed the real deal 59 Les Paul standard. So he must have been... That, that must have bonded you guys for life. Yeah, I, I, I kind of get that feeling, yes. <laughs> wow. Happily so. And, and you know, uh, it's... And honestly, I think, I mean, we're discussing with him now uh, whether we restore it back to its original condition, but I think in the correct economic time, with his whole collection, that guitar could potentially reach well above 700000 and you know it's 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 one of those things that when you you know when you when you have it it's sitting sitting you know in the let's say it's a 59 right so 63 64 66 no one's playing it it's collecting dust strings are broken it's like ah just to get rid of the stupid thing nobody's playing it get rid of it so you don't realize i had a woman walk in that door on a saturday with a guitar from Hawthorne, two sisters, twins, sweet people. And she says to me, if you tell me what's in this case is garbage, I'm throwing it out. And I said to her, well, from here, I don't know what's in the case, but I could tell <laughs> you this. The case, at a minimum, is worth 500 to to 1000 What was it? What was the it's case? It's a 1950s Gibson ES-175 case. So, I so said, you can only imagine what's inside. So I said, let's open it. So she opens it, and it's a 56 ES-175 that belonged to her dad. And the guitar needed 
about $1,300 worth of work. But you're looking at then, it's a $7,000 guitar. Right. But what made this even more interesting was under the guitar, she had two maps. And it turns out her dad was a World War II vet that was in the Normandy invasion. And there were maps of... And back then, you couldn't take invasion maps home. It was contraband, but he smuggled them home. Wow. And on the back of the map, he had the name and date of every soldier that enlisted when they left or perished. And they were signed by Eisenhower, Patton, and MacArthur. No. So I called Throw the, the guitar away. I Let's called keep the maps. I called a friend of mine at Heritage Auction and he said, Pete, tell them if they want to sell them. I'm guessing low thirty thousand a map. Wow. Perfect. So she had two maps worth sixty grand and a guitar worth seven, and she was gonna throw them out. So we restore the guitar. Now the economy starts to turn. And there were some medical problems in the family. So I said, how about we put it on consignment? And uh, a very good client who became a very good friend of mine, uh, Tony Latosa, came and played it. And he's like, seven? Uh, do you think she'd do six? I'm like, let's just call her. So the woman goes, I'll tell you what, I'll consider reducing the price, but he's got to prove to me he can play it. I'm coming up and he has to play a concert. Really? So we're all sitting here and Tony's How sitting there playing jazz and she goes, I'll do it. It's yours. I'll do it. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, what great moments. That then we so had awesome. George Lynch. Uh, who's he from? <laughs> Dawkin. Dawkin. <laughs> I say Duncan. Dawkin. Uh, George Lynch was in actually bought a vintage Gibson from me. Brad Whitford was in the store. Uh, we have Hanan Ramiro, flamenco guitarist, yeah, tremendous yeah, guy. Uh, we're still servicing Al. Actually, I just brokered a deal with Mad Professor Amplification for Al Demiola to endorse them. Nice. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. Yep, and Matt does all his work. So, listen, you can buy your guitars, you can bring them in, you can... He'll appraise. He'll show you what's wrong with it, what needs to be fixed, and you're gonna and he's gonna fix it. Not only and you might get something for free, and you might get something for free. <laughs> exactly. So we're gonna you're gonna take us you're gonna take us through the yes, shop. Yeah, absolutely. Right. He's gonna take us through the shop. Let's go. All right. So we're walking to the inner sanctum of Moe's guitars. Building number two. We didn't have this two and a half years ago. So you just expanded. Yes. To 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 enlarge your workshop yes we took over i think the address is 81 van winkle which okay. is attached to 726 lafayette but it gave us another 700 square feet and actually i'm ready to take over the building next to me to expand uh, even more we have a fifth expansion but at this point i'm being cautious due to the economy yeah yeah I don't. but there's me. more to come this is awesome. So this is it. This is the inner sanctum. Yeah, matter of fact, where's our luthier, Matt? Here he is. So so he's a professional. You're a professional luthier. Matt yes. Hayden, professional luthier, 14 years. Yeah, I started when I was and 14. I will say Did you this, really? Yeah, I'm 28. <laughs> honestly, one of the best in the country. <laughs> Actually, he does all Al's work. Oh, is that right? Yeah. 
Right. So how 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 did how did it feel like knowing that you're working on Al Di Miola's guitar? Uh, it was kind of surreal. I've always listened to him through the years. Yeah, know? yeah. And I collect a lot of vinyl records, you know. So I always had, um, a, you know, Al, you know, Di Miola records. Yeah, yeah. And you know, he, he he's he's a really cool like hangout guy too. And uh, basically, uh, Mo and I have some mutual customers, and uh, basically they were working with him, and they referred um, them, uh, them to Mo and to us, you know. And uh, over time, uh, we finally met with Al, and uh, he gave me a bunch of stuff to repair, and it was just like kind of like blew my mind, you know. <laughs> and then um, Al gives us all like we go to some of his shows whenever he's in town, and like he uh, he was so so nice, like uh, he signed my uh, original Elegant Gypsy pressing. Oh, you had this? Yeah, I already had it. <laughs> it must have been so. It must have been like, where did you get this? Yeah, it, it, it was so cool, and um, I have a picture too of this record next to that exact guitar that's in his studio. Really? Too. Yeah, it was just so cool, you know. And yeah, he's really personable. And like, whenever Mo and I are there, we're there for like six hours. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> just, like, talking back and forth. And so show us what is what are some of the things you're working on now? So I just basically got done with this. It just needs strings. This is a all original of uh, 1956, right, Mo? 56, I think. Yes, 56. Uh, Les Paul Jr. It's a 56. Original Les 56 is yeah. one of the cleanest ones you're ever going to see. Yeah, it's a pretty good example. The mahogany on it is even figured wow. in the back. Let me see if I could just turn on my lights real quick. Kind of see like the figuring in the uh, mahogany there. And basically, this was a student guitar back in the day. This was like pretty much the lowest in the Gibson range. And Gibson's, really you know, super high quality guitar. You know, you have Honduran mahogany, Brazilian rosewood. You know, uh, this type of rosewood is pretty much extinct nowadays too. Like you can't uh, even really get Highly this. Highly endangered. It's extremely really? limited. Right? It's extremely limited. And um, basically, over the years, a lot of you know, famous people use them. You have like Leslie West from Mountain. You have, you know, a bunch of guys, you know, and even though this was like a student guitar, uh, they're, they're, usually, they're usually pretty it. screaming, you know, so it, it got this like huge following over the years. And now what was once a, you know, typical off the shelf student guitar from Gibson, this is worth about $10,000 now. That's amazing. <laughs> and, and, and you know, and a amazing. lot of people, <laughs> hey, for you guys that are listening or watching, you know, go through your attic, go through your basement, talk to your relatives yeah, because, yeah. you know, it's these these priceless things that were shelved. Exactly. Or... Like, like you know, like your grandfather's old guitar, you know, not only does it have like, you know, like uh, provenance in your family, like, 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 you know, he probably, you know, for, for example, got that back then, maybe put it away over the years. Yeah. And just like with any sort of like antique, you know, it some stuff gains value some stuff doesn't but like a lot of this stuff it holds value and and you know becomes collectible i feel like almost anything that has a les paul name on it exactly this instrument too. today conservatively nine thousand dollars but if you look at that one that matt's working on that's a 61 fender stratocaster if you have one of those even in that condition in your attic you're sitting on about thirty-five thousand. 35,000. What year is it? 61. 61. Six. And what makes one year over the other? What what brings that value up so high? So basically it has to do with the appointments of the instrument and honestly like the history of it with who played them. A lot of guys like we're talking guys like Jimi Hendrix played one of these. Wow. You know, like Eric Clapton, you know, a lot of, you know, the 61 of, of guitar, you know, uh, like anybody and uh, you know Stratocaster it's, it's one of the most revered guitars in the entire you know guitar world you know and you know this is an original from the factory it's uh it's an old refinish 
um, it wouldn't have been this color. This We think it was Lake Placid blue, but there's several different colors in here, so it's kind of hard to debate it. Oh, and, as, you're, as you're peeling yeah, the colors back? Yes, but a but lot of times what Fender also did was they'll use a totally different color that contrasts the top. Right. Below it for depth. Ah, so okay. it's possible to have a sunburst finish below white or blue finish or black finish gotcha. below white. So you're you're this is like a master repair. I mean, this is yeah. Basically, he's had this guitar since the '80s, and like it, it was heavily modified from the '80s. And like over the years, he had a couple different guys work on this, and he was never really quite satisfied with it. And uh, over the years, him and I became you know quite good friends, and uh, I bought a couple vintage amps from him. And uh, he knows I restore this stuff, and like he finally wanted like to really do like the full like mule deal, Legit. everything back give together. Give me really, yeah, gi yeah, give me. He wanted it back to the original form, as close as we can possibly get it. Wow! So, um, and are you able to get all of the components from the original? If you're willing to pay, yeah, it's right. uh, it's all it's <laughs> all there. Yeah, it's all there. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. He basically just wanted it. He wants to keep like the replacement bridge and a couple things, but like uh, basically what he needed was new frets in, into the neck. I planed this to all be. You know, a flat plane again. It was quite uh, uh, warped, to be honest. But uh, you know, that's all good now. I'm currently rewinding his original pickups. These are not the original pickups, so we're gonna put the original type of electronic back in here as well. Gonna rewire the whole thing. Um, and yeah, it's just you know, breathing new life into something that you know, something uh, it's been near to dear to him. You know, and I, I can <laughs> and I can tell I can tell just talking to you that this is not work. For you it's a, it's is, a labor of this love. is love yeah, yeah i can love. tell yeah, i can tell yeah, yeah. now i notice here also i see i see like like this is like what's happening here this oh is, okay <laughs> so we can get into these so i've been doing woodworking ever since i was uh, a little kid my grandfather thought it was a good idea to um uh, hand a five-year-old a saw and go to town yeah there you go <laughs> you know? so, uh, still cut the house still down. got my fingers so thankfully that's good <laughs> so um i used to build a lot of furniture and stuff like that over the years i took shop all throughout high school and it was cool too because like my shop teacher saw that i knew what i was doing right and so i would help him teach the class and um at I, what age Oh, that I was a uh, well. I've been doing woodworking itself since I was very, very young. Right. You know? uh, but I started building furniture more or less into my early teens. You know? <laughs> so here you are in high school. Yeah. And you're teaching the. Yeah, oh, listen, you go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna go get a coffee. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah. You yeah. Do what yeah. you gotta do. Yeah. Yeah. That would. You would pull me out of class to build sets for plays. It was awesome. Really? Yeah, was How great. fun! It's like, oh, you know, I, I don't want to do trigonometry today. I want to build a. You know, I'm gonna build a, <laughs> a, build something. a stage. <laughs> Exactly. So and, you're building, uh, you're bu literally building guitars. So this is yeah. your luthier yeah, yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, ba uh, basically, I'm really into a lot of semi-hollow construction, and I took a lot of different uh, ideas and different designs and, you know, kind of made my own thing from it. Is that and, is that here, too? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, uh, the Dan Electra I just bought from Mo. <laughs> but <laughs> this here, that's my latest design. And uh, basically, um, it's not your average type of... It's kind of um, cool. I'm going to do it know. through the smoke from the yeah, uh, humidifier, so please. it gives it a little... <laughs> yeah, and like it, 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 it's not your average type of uh, build. So like a lot of semi-hollow construction, you only have a partial like hollowing here and maybe over here, you know, sometimes back there. But like, I really like to make these, you know, as open as possible. Yeah. So my hollowing, I do it from here through here, then up this way. And sometimes I go through the pickups as well. And, and you get a uh, different sound yeah, when it's hollowed like, out. Yeah, if I open, like... Yeah, yeah. It really opens up the acoustic Here's property of the instrument. Okay. Oh, there it is. Look at that. I'm still working on that. That's <laughs> a proto. It's, it's very rough at the moment. <laughs> 
but yeah, it, it goes through a, um, it goes through several different custom templates that I made, and they all uh, you know get sort of that treatment. And not only does it you know lighten up the wood itself, so it becomes a lighter instrument, but also it gives it a different type of a cool different uh, tone. Yeah, it's a whole different sound. I think it increases the, re the resonance of it. And uh, besides all like the woodworking, like this is all you know highly you know, you know high quality woods. This is 4A flame maple. I have um, Honduran mahogany on the back. It's a 4A flame maple neck, uh, ebony fretboard, pearl inlay. And uh, my mother's an artist, and uh, she helps me come up with some of these like designs. Like her and I designed the uh, shape of the headstock nice, together. I like that. And we're currently working on some stuff to like in, in, implement her artwork in, in, in some of these. So That's she's cool. doing like floral motifs and whatnot that we're gonna put on these. And yeah, it's uh, it's it's just you know, like to be able to, to create something and have somebody have full enjoyment out of something that you put into the world. Yeah, yeah, is is a wonderful feeling. <laughs> well, hopefully, when you have one of these you know? that's finished, you can hand it to Al and say, "Al, do me a favor." <laughs> I'm not sure if I was gonna play. Just a see how this sounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, yeah, I just made several different shapes. This is. Uh, Almost my flagship, I guess you could say. The next one's gonna have a carved top. That's gorgeous. This yeah, I, I inlaid herringbone yeah, all the way around it. I'm a huge beautiful. Martin fan. Again, 4A flame maple top, uh, figured mahogany back. Gorgeous. You know, and um, Mo likes Firebirds a lot. <laughs> yes. So I made my own version. <laughs> ah, that's great. <laughs> you know, again, four leaf, big leaf uh, flame maple. This is black walnut. And uh, no one really does semi-hollow firebirds, so I was like, I'm gonna be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I mean, if 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 people are if you're looking to repair your guitar, you're looking to buy a new guitar, you're looking to have one custom built for you, you can get it all done at Mo's Guitars. Uh, obviously, you know you've got a passion for what you're doing, and and certainly you've heard you got a passion for what for what Mo's doing, and and I love the fact that that you do pay it forward that it's not all about the money it's no. about you take you take extreme pride in your work and love for your work and you love to see people enjoy that yes and you know what i love to see the people that are dedicated loyal and work with us succeed too and matt and i have been working together six years going on seven probably wow. and matt worked for a shop that i used to farm work out too then one day the guy just stopped returning my calls. I was like, gee, that's strange. You're in business. How could you not want my money? <laughs> you know. So I actually called Matt and I asked him what he was doing. And he said, you know, I'm working uh, in my own shop doing my own thing. I said, well, how about I farm you out work? So he would come by and I would give him... <clears throat> the heavier jobs that were too time consuming because I'm in the showroom sure. and my wife's in the shop. Uh, so then some, you know, life happens and things turned unfortunate with where he had his shop. So I said, you know what, why don't you just move your shop into my building? You nice. could work here, you could work for me. And then, you know, you have your shop, you could do your work after hours or on days you're off. Yeah, exactly. uh, and long term, our plan is actually, if not in this business, another one to make Matt a partner. Nice. So just keep paying it forward. Yeah. Well, Matt, thank you so much for showing us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Showing us some of your uh, your handy artwork. I mean, this oh, is. Oh, thank you, thank you. It's it, uh, it's almost done. It's going to be put on. Uh, it's going to be in our, in our showroom soon. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, listen, come down to Mo's Guitars, Hawthorne, New Jersey, on Lafayette and Van Winkle. You could Google it. You'll find it. 
come down, check out Matt's new designs. Come out and, and check out Moe's pride and joy. I mean, it's a whole a whole wall of uh, of love. I'm literally living the dream. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much again thank for you. opening it up and, and showing us what you're doing. Thank you. All right. All right. Be well, everybody. <laughs>